and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. I'm Chris Salamone from Four Eyes Furniture, and with me as always are Mike Montgomery from Modern Builds. Happy to be here. And Ben Ueda from Homemade Modern. Hey. Today is Thursday, April 12th, otherwise known as Grilled Cheese Sandwich Day. Ooh, nice. Who that, likes a grilled cheese? Who doesn't? I, ah, I'm a Lactose fan. intolerant people, maybe, I And guess? gluten intolerant people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just double intolerant. Wait, Mike, on the podcast... Is it, have you talked about your weird sandwich topping combination ideas? No, but oh, let's man. hear this. I kill it. So okay, let's hear it. Oh, Mike, wait, wait, wait. I did hear about your peanut butter and jelly sandwich with salsa. Oh, no, I did not hear about this. Go okay, okay, lay it okay. out. So, <laughs> Mike's been staying uh, with, with me in Joshua Tree and you know, making a PB&J. He puts salsa on a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which I don't know. I'm, I'm a pretty adventurous eater. <laughs> Seems a little weird. You tasted it though, and it was I mean, disgusting. It for me it was it. It's not that it ruined the sandwich. Uh, it just didn't add anything. It was a lateral move. It was a lateral move with more complexity. Okay, well I can I can step up my game a Wait, little bit then. Do you sub out the jelly for salsa or absolutely not? Okay, no, so no, it's no, got no. it all. I just put salsa on top of the peanut butter and jelly, so it's a little bit messier. Uh huh. Tastes a little bit better, but it's marginal. I did come up with an incredible invention, and this is the breakfast PB&J, as it is being titled. So you take two Eggo waffles, crisp them nicely, a little golden brown, but enough to where there's a crisp on the outside, soft on the inside. Mm -hmm. Then you get some crunchy peanut butter. If you have creamy, well, first off, you never even should have bought creamy, (laughs) so (laughs) you already fucked up. But you get crunchy peanut butter with some maple syrup. I'd say three parts peanut butter, one part syrup. Uh You mix it up. And that goes on one piece of bread, a.k.a. waffle. And then yeah. on the other one, you put a nice jam. I think I did the strawberry. Maybe it was raspberry, something mm-hmm. along those lines. Definitely not an apricot. Then you close them up. If you want it to be really breakfasty, you can put some syrup on top. If you were leaning a little bit towards lunch, you just eat it like a normal sandwich. So I have one small improvement. See, I think you should actually use the waffle structure to your advantage. Okay. So you should put little drops of syrup in each one of the pockets and then close, seal them up with the peanut oh, yeah. butter. Ooh. So They're when you encased. bite into it, you get little syrup explosions. Little pops of wow. syrup. Wow, wow, wow. And then okay. I say you take that one step further, throw a little dollop of salsa in there. You got yourself a little sour stew going, baby. <laughs> nah, you messed it up with the salsa on that one. <laughs> salsa can't be on everything. Well, in in college, uh, we had a bunch of wasabi lying around in a bottle of vodka, and we were, we were, gonna, we were pre-gaming to, to go out. And we... Uh, we created these shots where we would put just a little tiny bit of wasabi at the bottom of the shot glass and then drip just a, uh, or pour like a little bit of uh, vodka in there. And so it's like a green wasabi paste in about one eighth of an inch deep in the bottom. And then we would slow pour vodka on top of it. So you take like a shot of vodka and then you'd have this wasabi chaser at the bottom of the shot glass. The built-in chaser. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> the built-in chaser. So I think the, the end of the line here is just, if you're going to be creative, be creative about everything. That's right. Yeah. Don't stop in the garage. Exactly. Carry it onto <laughs> the kitchen and then the bedroom. Whoa. Uh, right. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> try to, podcast try to work, after dark. Try to work some salsa into your routine, people. <laughs> it can sting a little. Good be careful. Good way to get a <laughs> Talking about uh, south of the border, huh? No. All right. So, what have yeah. you guys been working on? What's happening this week? Uh, I put out that mirror video. My, you did, yeah. April. I know. I talked about the mirror before. Had I talked about that it was an April Fool's Day thing? I mean, Not I guess it all. was an actual mirror, but there was an April Fool's aspect to it of the world's dumbest smart mirror. So, 
I had wanted to do it, and I was a little worried it could be a backlash, but everybody seemed to receive it very well. Even Reddit was super nice. Wow. Like, I mean, there were still some jerks, but I'd say the nicest that they've been to me probably on a post that's done well. So, yeah, I think uh, everybody got into the spirit of April Fool's Day, and and it was well received because of it. I really like the frame. It was, Thank you. Like it seemed to defy gravity in some f- certain way. It really just Appreciate it. it had a thing about it that looked like it should be falling over, but it isn't. It's got those three points of contact, man. Yeah, but yeah, it looks like you don't think of the mirror as a point of contact, so it looks like it's just two points and it's like leaning forward in a weird way or something like that. Exactly. And I've announced this a couple times in the podcast, but never at the beginning. It's always at the very end. Mm-hmm. The podcast description is clickable now. Yes. So we're putting links down there and it's we have like usable show notes at this point. So go down there whenever we're talking about videos, whenever we're talking about like products on Amazon or whatever it is, we're linking to that now. So just it's convenient. It's easy. Just check it out. So yeah. Ben, what have you been up to? Uh, got a lot of projects going. Um, working uh, with my brother on a dining table and a side table. Yeah. Um, so we had a couple projects going there that are more in the sort of typical kind of modern furniture builds that we do. Um, I just finished the construction on, it'll probably be released by the time this airs, on a, a lofted bed made out of scaffolding. Um, and so the post is on my Instagram now and yeah it, uh, the feedback seems to be pretty pretty overwhelmingly positive it was cool because I've always seen scaffolding on construction sites and I've always thought oh it's well made it's modular it's easy to assemble and it's like five feet by five feet by seven feet long so it's perfect for a lofted bed totally uh i got the joy of seeing the entire thought process of using like of ben's like this is something cool how do i make it into something yeah that was pretty cool to see so we were walking through home depot and granted you probably had been thinking about it for a while but we were grabbing materials i think we're just getting like 52 by 4 so we had enough stock just to be able to build whatever we wanted and we were walking past the scaffolding you're like i've always wanted to build something out of scaffolding and so we looked at it for a while you're like maybe a bed yeah yeah, and the thing I like, it fit the right the scenario that I was that we're in right now. So this is the first time I've rented the place where I live in in a long time. So uh, I need furniture because it's an empty house. It's not a furnished Airbnb. So I want to build furniture, but I don't want to build stuff that's too crazy. And beds can be kind of big and cumbersome. And I yeah. know if I build a wooden bed, I'm probably just going to leave it there. I'm not going to want to like transfer it to one of my other places where I already have furniture. So I like the idea of the scaffolding bed because it can serve as a bed just fine. looks great. And when it's done, we didn't compromise the scaffolding part in any way. So I do need scaffolding. (laughs) You know, it's it's a great way to set up something for, they're actually really good for setting up overhead shots because they're wide enough. They're really stable. You can slide one of those decks around on them and there's all sorts of things you can mount to the, the sort of pipe connection. So, uh, you know, it ended up being about the scaffolding parts. I probably spent about $240. Yeah. But you save some money being able to extend out that platform. So instead of the normal, I think the runners that you normally walk on. Yeah, those are the expensive parts. Those are the expensive parts and they're usually two feet wide, something something like that. And so you had a good idea of using two by threes to essentially extend that platform out wide enough to, to spend the full length basically of the scaffolding. Yes. So, that part was fun. Uh, figured out some cool ways 
the the scaffolding is incredibly strong, easy to set up, but it's a little bit rattly because it's metal on metal connections. Mm-hmm. So we put some silicone caulk uh, in between the connections, let that cure. So it sort of created a rubberized, clear coating. So you don't see it, mm-hmm. but it minimizes the the grating uh, between the metal components. So it looks really cool. We figured out this cool way of using the adjustable jacks, which are, are basically a big screw. And, for leveling, right? Right. Those are typically used for leveling out the legs, but we actually use them to make these little adjustable side tables that are that are pretty awesome. So um, it's all set up. It's uh, Right now it's being used as the sort of guest bedroom in yep. the, the living room of the house we're all staying at. Uh, and I kind of think I might get a little more scaffolding. They also make really good lumber racks. Yeah. Because they're sort of the latter part, and you could just like, you know, poke eight foot long uh, uh, pieces of wood through there and it would, would kind of organize it nicely. And you can put the whole thing on wheels too. Killer. It's like a pre made loft. You exactly. got a little pre made loft. You need high ceilings though because they're just yeah. tall. I imagine that in a bunk bed. It'd be yeah, like 12 is it feet in, tall. <laughs> is it in a room that's just got like eight foot ceilings or? Yeah, so it's okay. a little bit low. Uh, okay. In the video, we show how we show a cheaper way to make extensions for the legs using galvanized fence pipe. So, you mm-hmm. know, like the pipe that they use for chain link fences. Yeah. That's actually really a cheap building material. And it's the same diameter as the pipes on the scaffolding. So oh, cool. you can make, you know, you can cut extensions for that way cheaper than you can buy those swivel cast aluminum legs. Nice. When's the video for that going to be out? Um, it'll probably be out in a few days. Uh, Simply Safe is the sponsor for it. And so I'm just waiting on their final approval. So by the time the podcast is out, video will be out? Yeah, it should be out by now. Awesome, cool. We'll yeah, go. maybe we should mention real quick, we're recording this podcast way earlier. Well, slightly in advance, about normal. five days, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because so. we're all actually in the same room. Yeah. Which is once. pretty unique. It's rare. Yeah, that's why this this chemistry is just... Killing it. Killing it today. See how I'm finishing his sentences? Yeah. So ask me how, what I've been up to, Chris. What have you been up <laughs> to, Chris? So I've been at uh, Chris's house. Yeah. I'm talking to the listeners. Yeah. Um, collaborating a little bit on our challenge video that's right so we've been teasing we teased it a little bit uh two weeks ago yeah we've been teasing saying we're going to do another challenge i don't think we said what it was going to be i think we hinted enough that about half the people figured it out yeah so we could probably just go ahead and say right yeah go for it one sheet of plywood single sheet challenge yep there's going to be more details Uh, officially we're going to release our videos on the 19th of april a podcast will come out that day We'll have a website posting. So everything's going to be laid out at that time. All the prizes, the hashtags, everything. But for now, just go ahead and put your thinking caps on. Yeah, it's one so, sheet of plywood. Yeah, so just plan around projects that take a single sheet. You can also you know, use other materials. You know, If you want to use a little bit of metal here, if you want to incorporate some epoxy or something like that, feel free. Right. We're not like hard and fast on the rules that way. Just don't use more than a sheet of plywood and make sure you're using plywood. Doesn't matter what thickness, doesn't matter what type. It could be cheap, it could be expensive. Uh, just be creative and come up with some killer ideas. So, while I've been down here, I've been workshopping the idea of making a collapsible desk that could also kind of function as a table as well. Um, and esen- essentially, it's two leg assemblies that are held together with a stretcher, and then each of those leg assemblies, which make up two, each assembly makes up two legs. Right. Um, they've got basically a mortise on the top of them that sticks through the tabletop to lock everything in. And then with that stretcher, it really just beefs everything up really, really well. I've been surprised at how strong the, the plywood I'm using. I'm just using three-quarter inch pre-finished pine mm-hmm. plywood from Home Depot. That's something I hadn't seen before. Is that common out here? 
Uh, you know, I don't do too much plywood shopping there, but yeah. apparently. I, I mean, it I, seemed like they had a bay for it. I've accidentally purchased it a few times. It's real slippery. It looks just like the, the sanded pine plywood because yep. the surfaces are both smooth. It's the same radiata pine or whatever. Yeah, so... It's real slippery, dude. It feels very nice. Now, it, when you get it feels the very nice, yeah. When you get the stuff that isn't pre-finished, is it two good sides? Like, because yeah, the stuff was pretty two much good two sides. good sides. That's the interesting thing, though, is I think the normal radiata pine is kind of a side, b side, where it does have a b side, but that b side is still usable. Whereas the pre-finished stuff, it's a side, a side, so it really has no orientation. It's super, super nice. Um, so I'm using that on the CNC. Mm-hmm. I, I modeled up something on SketchUp, which I teased on my Instagram. Maybe you saw it. Um, and that was that's been an inter- that's been a little bit of a trip trying to use this CNC because Chris it's always a apparently doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> well, I'm, every time I do it, I'm learning too. So Mike's Mike's right there struggling with me. Yeah. So we ben some, looked at our file and he's like, oh, "Here's what you did wrong." Yeah. So we have some issues. Let's let's talk about them. Yeah. So Go for c- CNCs are are interesting, and I hardly ever schedule them unless I'm going to be into like my workflow unless I'm going to be using a lot of them. Yeah. Because even if I go like four or five months without using, I feel like the same way with using like drones in videography. If I'm going to use a drone, I want to have a whole bunch of drone work lined up for it because by the time to get it out, right, right. upgrade to firmware and all that stuff and do it. So with the CNC, you know, when you talked about the idea of sort of coming here, you knocking it out and doing that, I was like, Ooh, it's dicey because yeah. a locking, you know, right. it's not that anything goes wrong. But there's like a learning curve for them. And it uh, usually takes longer than what you're expecting too if you're not super familiar with it. Like I probably could have told you like, oh, it's going to be like a three-hour carve. But if you're not super familiar, you think like, oh, it's like, I don't know, 30 minutes or something. Right, because you you tend to make mistakes that are three steps into the particular piece you're working on, right? So let's say you're making a table leg where you're cutting three pieces and then gluing and laminating together. It would be like, a mistake on the CNC would be like making a mistake on the glue up that ruins all three pieces. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Because you're, you're near the end of that fabrication process for that particular component. Mm-hmm. The CNC you tend to be cutting out with once. So it's not so much that it's problematic, but you tend to make problems that are at a whole piece at a time. Um, that's the other thing that, you know, I recommend people starting with CNCs not using or using plywood, which is what you're using. It's, right. it's the perfect material for it or non-precious, uh, you know, sort of mass mass available materials. Um, totally. So the problem we had was we just had like a little anomaly in the file. Somehow a line got or a dot got put into our, our rendering that we sent to easel and right. that totally confused the router and things started getting really, really wonky. Yeah, basically wanted to shift the whole leg assembly, the outside of it, up about a quarter of an inch. Right, so the the leg itself is, the cuts it needs to make is the outside cut and then a few cuts on the inside of the leg assembly that's just kind of removing material and making everything a little bit lighter. And so we cut the three inside cuts to make those recesses, and it worked great, but then once that outside line hit, we noticed that it was not following the same path after the second cut. Right. The second pass, yeah. Exactly. And so we ended up just taking it out of the CNC, using those first couple passes as the guide, Mm -hmm. and cut everything freehand on the bandsaw, and then sanded everything basically flush to the line. Yeah, I guess the good news is we, since we were paying attention to it a lot, we caught it early enough that it wasn't catastrophic. Exactly. And all the important cuts we got done first. The inside cuts are the ones that would have been really hard to do accurately, because we probably would have had to do that with a jigsaw. 
Yeah, and, yeah, drill and jigsaw, I guess. And your boy over here is not very precise with the jigsaw. So, is, are people are there people that are really precise with the jigsaw? It's gonna be some guy out there. Yeah, just jigging it up. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> jigging, so. dancing a jig. Yeah. So luckily enough, we're able to just cut everything a little outside of the line, sending it flush. It's gonna turn out great, and uh, I'm really excited for it. But but yeah. So what are you guys planning for the for the challenge? I think I'm the only one to have mine done, right? I got mine done. Oh, Mine's I saw sitting, yours. Sitting in the other room, yeah. Yeah. So it's a surprise, surprise coffee table. <laughs> I don't do too many of those. So actually what I did with mine was I wanted to go with an overall look of something that I already did. So the spider table. But then in construction, it's more similar to the dining table that I built where it's legs that attach directly to the underside of the top. And I decided to, instead of going with uh, three quarter inch plywood, I went I went with half inch plywood because I knew I was going to be stacking up a bunch of layers and it was just going to get way too chunky if I did. Yeah. It would have, each chunk would have been what, two and two and a quarter inch thick for a fairly small coffee table. It would have just looked too clunky. I thought. Right. Yeah. I'm really digging all the plywood stacking you're doing and the half inches I I think is key. Like those splayed legs look really nice and they're light. There's some negative space in there. Yeah. Which is an interesting addition because so far what I've seen in terms of negative space, is just making joints. But in this case, it was negative space for the sake of aesthetics. Well, kind of both. So it was negative space to fit the joint at the top. And so I could then go back and cut a piece that would have filled it in, but you don't really need it. And I thought it looked, when I was drawing it up, I thought it looked cool with the negative space. So I just decided to run with that. Killer, yeah. And then actually that dictated a lot of what I ended up doing with the top. So the leg piece was the first part that I really designed in detail. And once I saw what that looked like, I wanted to just kind of carry on that theme of having uh, not all negative space, but either negative space or like step away cuts so that everything, like the top is three layers thick, but it doesn't just follow one line of a, a bevel all the way down. It kind of, the the top and bottom pieces follow the same plane of, I don't know, bevel, I guess, but the interior piece is inset about three inches on either side. So the easy way of describing it is, the top, the the tabletop is three layers of half inch plywood, uh-huh. but the middle one is basically not there because it's inset so far. It's inset. I mean, yeah. you can still see it from down low, but from up top, you would not. see It's kind of it. like yeah. an Oreo cookie where the yeah. the frosting, yeah, yeah. The doesn't, frosting doesn't come to the to, edge, isn't flush to the edges with yeah. the cookie part. So it's all floating. It really looks like it's floating. It's really cool. And yeah. Ben, you've got. If I was sitting at the coffee table. That's where I'd stick my gum. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I would never know. Yeah, until I reach my hand in there for some reason. Yeah. So Ben. What are you working on for the challenge? Um, to be determined. I uh, so my brother is is here uh, while I'm building the tiny house, and so while we're waiting for the the final permits and all that, he's helping me build out projects. So we're cranking out a lot of DIY furniture projects right now, since I have him and Jesse both uh, working with me. And I sketched out an idea that he's working on now, which is. Uh, it's similar to the pedestals I did for the great shoe store, but freestanding, sort of like little end tables. But we want to figure out a way to use the waste for something cool too. So in addition to making, uh, of using the positive forms that we cut out with the jigsaw, uh, we want to use the sort of the cutoffs to make a, a, a void that will then cast the concrete project into. Because... There's another challenge coming up way down the road for for QuickCrete that I'm promoting, which is another one of those one-bag wonder concrete challenges. Yeah. Um, So we're doing that, 
and I still feel like the the table I did about a year ago, which used exactly one full sheet with like no waste. Yeah. Oh, the dining uh, table is, you know, I could do a different version of that, but it's I spent a lot of time sort of really working on that thing. So that that I feel is like a very strong table. So mm-hmm. I might try a bed or something like that. But uh, a bed would be really impressive because you've got to really stretch the material there, and that's kind of. Because there's, sometimes there's a challenge of just like using a specific material. Sometimes it's quantity. Sometimes it's like color right. or, or whatever. But I think that's the toughest thing you could do for this challenge is like make the amount of material you're like constrained, right? Right. And I yeah, think actually, a bed way is a good way of doing that. That would be interesting. If I was going to do it again, I think I would like to think of it that way because I probably used like 65% of my material for this one. I had a right. ton left over. And so if somebody's listening, thinking about ways to win, maybe like some making something that... It's hard to believe that it's from a single sheet of plywood. Yeah, that could, could be, be a, a cool, cool way angle. to do it. Yeah, but although, again, I would stress that it's not so much of a contest as it is like a, a community-driven challenge. That's I mean, a good point, yeah. One, one of the things we saw with, and I think that's, a, that's really important because when things are framed as a contest, uh, you know, the the three winners are happy and everyone else feels like oh, I put all this time into that and we don't want that to happen right and you know unless there's like you know we have some pretty awesome prizes from Rogler but what we saw with the last challenge is that a lot of people who participated one there was a lot of great entries it would have been really hard to pick quote unquote winners there yep. was was it was kind of like it was easy to pick a top ten. Yeah, there was a it handful was really of hard to pick said, wow, any kind of great. individual winner. Yeah. yeah, and I would say even beyond that, there was like thirty or forty projects that were just amazing. Right, and then like ten that really blew my mind. Exactly. Yeah. So, but what we saw with that is that a lot of the people that entered their social media channels all kind of blew up from that, mm-hmm. and that's the sort of uh, I think the the power of sort of community interaction when you have a strong topic to discuss. Yeah, and we see that in in like other fields of endeavor in media, right? Like something will trend on tw- on Twitter when something in that space, whether it's you know basketball or the Oscars or stuff, happens. So if we can make events like this happen where we're all working on the same thing at the same time, I think that can shine the light on on people that may not have a, a huge audience right now, but certainly have the talent and. You know, if you look at the the two two by four challenge, for there's a lot of people who who did that, where that video or that project is their most viewed project they they've done. Right, right. or it was a really big kickstart for a new channel as well. Right. Yeah, for so sure. The the goal going into this should be one: have fun, do something creative, push yourself a little bit. Right. But there is an opportunity to to do something where you're interacting with the community that's all dealing with the same challenge at the same time. And it's a it's a great opportunity for audience growth. Yeah, totally. Yours and ours. <laughs> yeah. Any yeah, yeah. audience. All right. I guess that covers what we're working on. So where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Should we try to do some some live stuff just to see if it well, works let's, out? Well, let's talk about challenges in general. Have you guys entered contests or competitions before? Yeah, the quick read one bag wonder one time. You I did, did that lamp, the circle lamp. I did. Yeah, it was. A, just killed it or what? Nah, I don't blame it him. It should have been a winner. Yeah, it it was pretty cool. I think I think it should have been top three, but it was. I voted for it. 
It was a hanging concrete light. light. Yeah, it was good. It was the like the kind of the ring shape. It was, you, yeah. And you used their their tube forms. I did. Yeah, I really went all in on it. <laughs> yeah, that that challenge has has worked really well for for them. Yeah. Um, one a bag of concrete is pretty cheap, uh, and uh, you know it's a good excuse. So I think I think contests, and I think that's why we've liked the idea of making them around a unit of measure not like hey build a chair or something like Mm -hmm. that because it it makes it that it's not going to be who has the most the best shop or the access to the coolest materials or things like that by sort of simplifying the starting point uh i think that makes it kind of more universally accessible they say uh for my friends that are or one of my friends he's a chef and he says you know that the a great way to tell if somebody's like a good cook is like have them just cook an egg Right, something really, really simple. Yeah, um, yeah. Just see their technique come through or whatever, right, what they can do with that thing. So, uh, I think that's what's really fun is that it's like low stakes, but high. Like, there's a screwing it up doesn't really cost you anything. Right. right. But the upside is really cool, and you always appreciate somebody's work more when you're actually doing the same thing at the same time. Mm-hmm. When you're just watching from afar, you're like. That doesn't look hard. Like when you watch somebody do a CNC project, oh, look, call Just that push a button. Thing. Machine did all the work. And but, then you try it, right? But when you are are all involved in the same endeavor at the same time, it, it, it makes it a little bit more commiserating and fun. Yeah, I guess also it would kind of put you into a natural cohort where if you made a cool project, somebody else made a cool project, there's a good chance you guys are kind of like in the same uh situation in terms of like you know wanting to start a channel or whatever you might both be early so it's a a good way to connect with people that you might be able to feed information you know feed off of get information from share information to help both of you guys get further faster have you ever seen those like one sheet of plywood boats yeah yeah they make like a little dinghy (laughs) a little dinghy nobody do that No little dinghies in this challenge. You guys might remember, I, I was part of a uh, challenge a couple months ago, the Grizzly one. Oh, came yeah. I'm happy to say I came in third place. Third out of third. Three, out of three. three. Wow. <laughs> third of three. Was that was that like a user voted one? It was, and I I think that they might have messed up on the counting. Because <laughs> I looked at it. <laughs> it was rigged. It was rigged. It was rigged. But I think, well, Will definitely won. And I even said, like, when I saw it, I was like, he should win. He, like, put the most effort into it by far. Yeah. He he really, like, stuck to the... He, he did what they wanted us to do, I think, a lot more than I did and, and Kyle did probably, but so might have to do a recount. I won the Ryobi build-off challenge, uh, like, a year and a half or two years that was, ago. That was, yeah, where you built, a, like, a workstation. Kind Were you of already thing. working for or with Ryobi? Well, it was a, a shoe. No, it was, it was a it was the blogger, the Ryobi blogger build off yep. challenge. Okay, so all the people who are doing what you're doing, and it was just three teams: me, and then Anna White and her husband, and uh, the Shanty to Sheet girls, uh, Whitney and Ashley. All of them are friends, so when I talk a little shit about them, it's with with lots of love. Yeah, that this, was your team, or that's no, who you were competing. That was who I was competing. Against. Okay, so I was the only solo team. Uh-huh. They all had help. And 
I crushed them. <laughs> I crushed them. <laughs> I voted, man. I had your back. Absolutely I had your crushed back. them. No. Um, <laughs> you know, actually, it wasn't a contest because yeah. I crushed them so bad. No, it was, it was a lot of fun. Like, Ryobi, if you work with Ryobi, they, and, and you hang out with them, they make sure you're well-fed, well-entertained. They're, they're the best hosts out of any brand that I've worked with, especially if you're down in uh, their neck of the woods. So... They hosted us in this this awesome like old uh, hotel that was like an old carriage house or something <clears throat> that had this like brick uh, room with concrete floors that they Ooh. used for like weddings and stuff like that. But it's like really like the scenic old brick that's restored really nicely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they set up these three workstations. They had a professional uh, video video team and stuff like that. Basically TV type production. Yeah. And they shot this really cool stuff. Uh, Tom Burry, who's like that contractor guy from that that restaurant like rehab show, okay. uh, was sort of he acted as the sort of host, and it, it, it was a lot of fun. It was like three, a three day sort of shoot and build, and we all had to build a piece of shop furniture. Mm. Um, so it was uh, now Anna and the Shannon Sheet Girls had a much bigger following than I did at the time, like a lot bigger. And it was all user voted for uh, the the winners, so I had to kind of sandbag at first. So, <laughs> and as a YouTuber, as like as sort of like a blogger, or you know, especially with big Instagram followings like the Shannon to Sheet Girls, they can get on Instagram and call out for their, that's an easy way to blast it out. And they reach like a few hundred thousand people on Instagram, so mm-hmm. they they can reach the people to drive up the voting fast. So I kind of hung off a little bit. And sort of Ooh. laid back and like, oh, wow, looks like you guys are going to win. And then had a whole bunch of YouTube videos right for the last uh, the last few days. And then uh, I also sort of said in the videos that if I win, I will. Uh, so we were all doing it for charity. It's kind of right. like Celebrity Jeopardy that way where, mm-hmm. you know, if you win, you don't get the money. But the money goes to a charity of your, of your choice. Right. And I cho- uh, chose the, the Girls Garage, which is a program in San Francisco that uh, teaches uh, sort of disadvantaged youth, uh, particularly uh, girls aged like sort of like 10 to 14, uh, like power tools, welding, all kinds of really cool making things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of like a sort of an empowering educational uh, endeavor. So I said that if I did win, I would sort of like match the donation that Ryobi was going to make out of my own money. And so go ahead and like vote for me and, and cost me some money. So that way is a way to sort of oh, get go. both the haters on board right. and <laughs> the people that like me on board. And we were sort of, you know, hanging back, hanging back. And then in the end, we just like blew right past them. Wow. <laughs> so we saved it like all for like the last few days, launched all these videos. Yeah. And then because with, with YouTube, you're, you, have a, you can have a big subscriber base, but each video doesn't necessarily reach the whole base. Yep. So you need a whole bunch of videos lined up in consecutive days. Mm-hmm. So I didn't post for a while and then just like release like three or four videos, blew right past them. And, nice. uh, yeah. And had to pay up. I gloated <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. No, donated the money. I Worth have, it. If you go to their sort of facility in San Francisco, or it's actually, I think, Oakland, uh, there's like a brick with my name on it. Beautiful. The venue ate a brick. Yep. No, okay. Let me ask you guys this. If tomorrow Ellen called you and she wanted you to do the design challenge, you're in. You don't have to interview. You're in. Yeah. Grand prize was, I don't even know what it is, but let's just pretend it was going to be $250,000. Would you do it? 
I would do it regardless of price. Okay, if the price was you have to pay $250,000. Right. Still Tra- do it. Traditionally, I'm not a huge fan of like challenge shows, mm-hmm. but I think the Ellen one is, is really pretty cool. It's as good as it gets. I think it's as good as you can do a challenge show because one, they care about the design process. Two, they care about the finished piece. And three, the only drama that they like manufacture is just kind of the whole like, are we going to get it done in time drama? There's right. no like big brother. I hate Chris or I hate you yeah, know, this well, person. There's no that. There's none of that kind of drama. It's really like authentic to the build, which is really great. Yeah, I always think it's funny. Like even a show like Top Chef, I like watching Top Chef. It would make for terrible TV, but it would be a much more realistic determinant of who is actually the best and deserves to be Top Chef. Would be like, okay, we'll just introduce you to all the people. Here's this much money. Go open up a restaurant. We'll come back in six months and we'll try it out. And whoever has the best restaurant that they're running and has the best food, that's who would be the best. That's who's the top chef. But that would make for a terrible TV. But maybe they're TV. not the best restaurateur. Maybe they're good, a great chef, but they're terrible at the other aspects. I, I just think in general that the only competition shows I like are about subject matters that I don't care about. The minute I care about the subject matter, the competition format makes it just absolute dog shit for me because then you just pick it apart right so yeah so like i don't mind a cooking competition show but i have a feeling that if i was more passionate about cooking and really knew a lot about it i would hate it so the ellen show i think i I think it's the best one i've seen but again i still feel the nature of of some of those things are 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 so forced right and the the time constraint alone to me seems to be so ridiculous Mm mm-hmm and that kind of like false urgency, I think, is uh, it's a great way to reveal people that have sort of things. But what it does is it doesn't actually push people to be inventive. It pushes people to be safe. Right. Because you don't want to do something that you might not be able to finish. Right. So it's like I watched the the one one competition show I watched a long time ago was that Ink Master one. Oh, so yeah. I was I like used thinking to watch that. about getting a tattoo. So I wanted to like see a little bit in an entertaining format about sort of tattoos that was really common in that show and what would happen would be the guy that would win wasn't the the creative guy that was taking a lot of risk it was somebody that had like a good bread and butter move in his back pocket yep and whenever he was under duress he just used that right Mm. and then it just became of well do who sort of like back pocket secret technique do the judges like the best over time Exactly. Um, and then it's the other thing is like, you don't have to do good enough to win every contest. You just got to be the one that doesn't lose that week. Right. Yeah. And so it really pushes you to make mediocre stuff until it's down to final three, final five, right. to where you really pull out all the stops. And, and this is why with our challenge, we're announcing it now because I don't want it to be this like time condensed rush thing. What can you make in like one weekend? Uh, so, I mean, I, 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 one of my favorite YouTubers to watch is Frank Howarth. He's yeah. amazing, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, I have no idea how long it takes him to do the projects that he does. I, but I just know that if it if I was to do them, it would take me all the time. Right, <laughs> I'd still be doing it. I'd still be working on it. It's, it would be a pyramid scale endeavor for me. Uh, but what I love about what he does is he doesn't seem to have a, like a rapid video release Mm-mm. period. He just releases really amazing projects when they're done. And even when the videos come out, the videos aren't rushed either. Yeah. It, the video is as long as it needs to be until mm-hmm. the project is finished. So I I like that, uh, you know, in our community, there's like that room to to sort of do. What I think this is, what, what, what the way I'm thinking of this challenge is more like a creative potluck. 
Mm, right. Okay. So I don't think of that is of the project or the plywood as as the meal that everyone's bringing. It's more the table that everybody's bringing their creative ideas to set around. Yeah. So you have to pick a location. You have to pick some sort of point for meeting, and that's the sort of the, what the structure of the challenge is. Right. So that we can all bring creative ideas. You know. Maybe you Together. have someone that, yeah, maybe someone's really good at joinery and they can introduce something that's just not typical with plywood. Right. Or maybe you have someone that can really bend, like steam bend things really well, but typically does hardwoods. Maybe experimenting with plywoods could open some doors, one, from a creative standpoint, but it shows like more versatility in the material as well. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if you had to guess, will people get more creative with this one or more creative with the last one, because people got pretty nuts the with the two three by four challenge. It was a it was a tall bar. Yeah, it yeah. Was, like it's hard to raise that bar. Remember a little that spiral laminated yes. lamp? Yes. Yeah, like can you do something that's that unexpected with plywood? I hope so. I hope so too. I hope we just can't think of it right now. But then when you see it, you're like, holy crap! I never could have thought of that. I thought um, I already make did two, it. Two two by fours out of a sheet of plywood, <laughs> yeah. and then turn that into a sheet of plywood. Wow. That would actually be funny if you did that and then made like the uh, what's the minimalist maker the the stool the stool yeah made that stool out of like two by fours made out of laminated plywood that'd be sick but I feel like I'm already kind of I feel like I'm already stretching myself a little bit like I'm using a new tool yep using new types of joinery than I would than I've ever used before yep and heck I'm using even new material itself I've never used pre finished plywood even. So it's new frontiers all around for new Mike. New frontiers, yeah. Chris kept it pretty safe. All right, Mike, you'll get the first place prize. You don't have to, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to keep browbeating us. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Sweet. So whenever that contest comes out, we will be sure to have an announcement podcast. It'll be up on our Instagrams. All three of our videos are going live kind of simultaneously yep. as well. So yeah. when this gets released, which is April 19th. You will definitely know. Yeah, if you are if you are on the computer or on your phone, you will be aware of it. Yes. So start planning now. Figure out some cool ideas. Maybe figure out what kind of twist or turn you want to incorporate. Um, we're gonna do we're gonna do prizes, like we said. All of that information will be released then. So just look forward to it. And as a precursor, I know that there's gonna be a lot of questions. Can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do this? The answer, the answer is yes. 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 You can do it. Yes, as long as it one takes up plywood. Two, does not use more than a single sheet. And three, is creative. There we go. <laughs> then you can, if it isn't creative, can. you can't do it. I like how you define the number of bullet points before you have the bullets. I think Mike well, just always goes with three bullet points. Normally, that's how no I also what. start sentences, is I just start saying words, and hopefully I find... <laughs> it's a good thing you do hopefully that instead of saying on one hand, but on the other hand, but on the other hand... <laughs> but on my foot. But on my fifth hand, that's where this comes in. I'm, so, you guys obsessed with anything? Are you guys, uh, you got any kind of obsessions or a hypothetical we could oh jump boy. into? Actually, do you, I have a music pick. Okay. I've yeah. been listening to Have either of you guys ever heard of the band Car Seat Headrest? I haven't. I have. I heard them in the car this morning. You heard them in my car, yeah. Yeah. What They're kind? cool, man. That, I've li- what's that? What kind of music? Uh, a little dinosaur juniory. It's It's what is lacking right now in the world, which is kind of some rock, but not like, <laughs> you know, not rock and rock. Yeah, like bang your head kind of yeah music but it's uh you know it's got guitars and bass and drums and all that stuff and i've i've listened to them for probably about like i don't know two years now they about three albums that i i've really listened to of theirs so they just came out with a new one i think it's called twin 
something. I can't remember what it's called right off the top of my head, but it's it, good. It's kind of just indie rock without yeah. over the top synth or production. Right. Like it's, it's still just it's good like, solid music. Yeah. It's got good melodies, good, good instrumentation. Stuff. Check it out. Car seat headrest. Mike, Mike actually recommended a, a band to me recently that I enjoyed, which was uh, Pine Grove. Yeah, Pine Grove. And what is great. was the recording you suggested? Okay, so, yeah. So if anybody wants to check them out, there is a. This is maybe something we could even talk about because they're doing something really interesting. Is Audio Tree? So what they do is live sessions. They record everything live. They film it. They even stream it live. But what they do is they compile that and put the sessions on Spotify as well. And so if I were to recommend Pine Grove to you, I would find Pine Grove's audio session and then just start from the top. Uh, Pine Grove is an interesting band. They are like an indie country. They're like kids that would be making really cool indie music, but they happen to grow up in like Nashville. Mm -hmm. So they've got that like the dude singing has that little bit of twang, but the music is still really interesting and lacks everything you hate about country music if you do. Um, if you do well you know what I mean that's usually yeah, yeah, like yeah. what kind of music if, do you listen to well if, everything but country yeah if that's what turns you off then exactly this could still yeah, work the things you. that turn you off about country music this probably doesn't have but um, but yeah check that out they're good don't know where I was leading with that but well, I think of the people that say that they normally mean like n- contemporary country right. they don't like. like they don't like rhinestone country but right. they're also the people that probably would like more of like the folk country yeah. there's probably also the people that would have like a Johnny Cash or Willie Nelson yeah, uh, tattoo on vinyl. their butt. Right, oh, and vinyl. Yeah, that too. And so it's funny. Pine Grove actually recorded their full length album all like single take. Everything's oh, tracked wow. live. There's no really overdubbing. Everything's just like live band. Like the way we're doing this podcast. And it's funny. They did an audio tree session after that album came out, but the audio tree session sounds better than their album because that's all audio tree does. What is, yeah, what is audio tree? It's just okay, so it's just live sessions. Yeah, and uh, they f- they film them, put them on YouTube, mm-hmm. and then they also like stream them live and everything. So so yeah, check out Pine Grove; they're good. And then if I were to give a music pick for this week, I am going to go with Gus Dapperton. Gus Dapperton. Yeah. This is somebody that is really on the come up. He sounds great. He's got uh he's that indie music that does have that obnoxious synth. Mm. But it's just got good like poppy eighties vibes. Uh he's he's killing it. So check him out as well. I'll check it out. You know what? You made you reminded me of something interesting that I heard a couple weeks ago. I can't remember where I was listening to it, but it was a I can't remember who it was, but a musician anyway. And he's being interviewed and they were talking about how good their band is live. Okay. And he was saying, well, yeah, think about it. When we record the songs, like we've just thought of them. Yeah. And then by the time we're playing it live two years later, we've had two years to like work it out and further. So like to somebody who's used to the album, maybe it's not as good because you just want to hear what you heard on the album. But that does kind of make sense that, yeah, something could continue to evolve after like, you know, when it's only a month old or whatever, when you recorded it. Exactly. Yeah. It's like whenever you build a project, if you were to build that same project a hundred times, one you would get really good at building it. Yeah. But two, you would probably also find a couple improvements or a couple of like small things that could, you know, make yeah. it more interesting or, or, or better in a way. Yeah. So, and three, I didn't have one. Ah, you always got to do things in on threes. the other hand. It was just an on the other hand. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't start off with three points. <laughs> exactly. So thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't already, please give us a review on the podcast app. Let it know that we're a good show and that it needs to recommend it to others. On the other hand, yeah. If you hate the show, don't review it. <laughs> <laughs>
If you're not following us on Instagram, we are at Modern Builds, at Benjamin Ueda, and at Four Eyes Furniture. We are at Modern Maker Podcast on Instagram as the account. Make sure you're following that, especially with this challenge. We're going to be keeping super up to date with that. We'll probably be reposting projects as people uh, kind of post them and tag us in it so we can kind of send inspiration and kind of that little like kick in the butt for people to, to like be involved as well. Yeah, go ahead. I'm supposed to do this. Um, and we should go ahead and say like uh, if you're building stuff now, just go ahead and hashtag Rockler Plywood Challenge. That's going to yeah. like last time how we had hashtag two two by four challenge. That's how we're doing the whole entry process as well. It's all through Instagram. That way everyone can see the entries. Mm-hmm. It's, Easy to it's keep an open track book. of everything. Right. It's not like a, a submission process where the three secret judges only see re- the results and show the winners. Right. We want everybody to see everything everyone's posting. That's what it's about. It's about like community building. So hashtag Rockler Plywood Challenge. So that's about it. Thanks guys for listening and we hope you have a great rest of your week. Bye everybody. See ya. Bye.